Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of Vitalnomics. Thank you for joining us for another episode to help you think through the process of church revitalization and bring clarity to it. And so once again, we have Jim Randall from Exano in the studio, and we're continuing our talks with the five irreducible questions of leadership, and particularly how it fits in with church revitalization. So Jim, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Uh, it's great seeing you again, Gary, and uh, um, happy Thanksgiving week for you. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. I think by the time this drops, it will be right after Thanksgiving, and people will still be in the turkey coma. So hopefully they come oh, out. Oh, for sure. I know I know. I will be, for sure. <laughs> oh, so this is great. So we're going to continue talking through our conversation these past couple of episodes on the five irreducible questions of leadership. Um, dealing with vitalnomics. And so can you remind us what they are and which ones we're going to be covering today? Oh, yeah, Gary, uh, be glad to. And and really, I can't speak uh, strong enough and quite frankly loud enough to the critical nature of these five irreducible questions being answered when you are pursuing a church revitalization. Uh, I will go as far as to say this. It is very rare for you to see a successful revitalization take place without a culture being established around these five irreducible questions. So I I just want to encourage our listeners, our pastors, our ministry leaders out there to begin to wrap their head around these five irreducible questions. You know, we say clarity isn't everything, but clarity changes everything. So it's not that, that these questions are some magic, you know, type of silver bullet type question. It's the clarity that they provide. And the alignment and the unity and the focus that a church has after they're able to answer those. So there, it's really the it's really the old newspaper uh, five questions, Gary. If we remember, kind of uh, as we learned to write articles in the right. newspaper, man, wow, like 30, 40 years ago, right? <laughs> and a great article would answer what, why, how, when, and where, right? Maybe who, and multiple questions like that, right? Uh, but the five irreducible questions are: What are we doing? In, in other words, what's the mission of our church? Why are we doing it? Uh, which is the values? What is it that, that makes us distinctive from other churches? How are we doing it? What's our strategy to get people engaged? When are we successful at doing it? Uh, we call that the outcome side of, uh, side of the frame. And then where is God taking us, which is the vision? Like where does he want us to be? So it's a what, why, how, when, and where five irreducible questions of leadership. Today, we're focusing on that. When are we successful? The outcome side of it. Yeah. So, so let's dig into that a little bit. So when are we actually successful in, in church revitalization? Like, how does that when question bring this importance to church revitalization? Does that have to do with like measuring things? Are we measuring the wrong things? Like, or is it just one thing? Like, what, what is it? Yeah. You know, Gary, uh, one of the things I've appreciated about you uh, and what you've done there at City United and in your ministry 
is you're both a pastor, a practitioner. Uh, I'd even say you're a, a thought leader, philosopher in this space. And, you know, engaging you in conversations like this to kind of say, Gary, what do you find most pastors who are pastoring churches that are plateaued or in decline, what are they actually measuring? What do you see them as measuring? Like when they're in that plateau and that decline, what do you, what do you see them have all the angst about and the worries about? And like, what do you, what are some of those? I'm going to kind of throw the question back out of you just for a second. Just, uh, yeah, I think if you're looking at the prevailing model of church, you're you're probably measuring money, uh, how much money's coming in. You're probably measuring how many people are actually showing up, activity. Yeah, and maybe yeah. maybe if the church is spiritual, maybe I'll say that uh, they're actually measuring right. how many disciples are being made and who's being sent, which I find that pretty much right, rare. Right. It's more of a gathering in a room yeah. to find find success rather than a scattering. Oh yeah, for sure. And you, you nailed it. Uh, I I think the I think the plateau church is all about, um, you know, how many people are involved, and I would use that phrase, uh, involved, attending, maybe a member, right? And and it's a um, it's a difficult place to be because in where we have come out, and you and I've talked about this at great length, where we've come out post COVID, almost every church is struggling with those numerical data points uh, related to attendance and related to giving. Uh, Giving did pretty well for a while, even through COVID, Mm -hmm. but now we're starting to see churches slump on the backside of that because that, that there is a true gap that that's a conversation for another day between the uh, giving and the health of the church and kind of where it is. Um, And so you're exactly right. And and the bottom line is this, is that um, churches that are going through revitalization, have to look at more than one type of metric. They have to be looking at something beyond just an input metric. Now, it is important that they're that they're measuring the right inputs. I love you bringing up living scent or what it means to be making disciples as a metric. And you and I probably both wish and pray that more churches that need revitalization would actually start measuring that, right? Yeah. Um, but the reality is that most don't. Um, and for that reason, they're, 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 the result is uh, their success or failure as a church, I'll go this far, Gary, um, their success or failure as a pastor is oftentimes tied to that metric of their attendance and giving. And so if their attendance is down, then they are, they're failing both as a church and they're failing as a pastor. If their giving is down, then they, they have that sense of failure, right? And so we really, we really want to kind of say that a church that is focused on revitalization truly is measuring more than just attendance. And so the question then is, then what is it we should be measuring? Yeah, right, <laughs> right? exactly. And what is it? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's the tension. And, and you just nailed one of them, by the way. You nailed one of them by saying we should be measuring disciples. We should be measuring the number of people sent. Um, for the uh, for the listeners, I uploaded a, a little handout I did at an exponential talk that I did earlier this year because I felt like it was absolutely perfectly tied to uh, what today's podcast is about, what Bottlenomics is today, thinking in terms of outcomes. And the, the title of the talk was Reshaping the Scorecard, mm-hmm. Resha- Reshaping the Short Scorecard for the 
disciple-making success. And But in this little talk that I gave, I talked about three types of results. I talked about the first, uh, and, and it's there uh, for listeners to be able to see and for listeners to be able to kind of um, uh, read a little bit about. The first type of result is what I would call an input result. And an input result is when you're, me- when you're measuring church metrics. And these are the quantitative things that you are going to count because you're going to, you know, we, we measure what is important to us. If something's not important to us, then we don't measure it. it may, we may pay lip service to it, but we don't actually measure it, right? And so the idea of church metrics is that we are focusing on the number of people and numbers and dollars and things that come into the church organization. And it's that, it's that idea of involvement. It's that idea of attendance. It's that idea of engagement. And so, unfortunately, most churches only measure attendance and they, uh, to worship, and they only measure their giving. And they may measure the number of people who attend Bible study or small group or life group or whatever it's called, community right. group, right, or their little, their little cell group. Uh, but at the end of the day, measuring those three to four things, by the way, don't stop measuring those things, but just measuring those things are not going to be enough. We have, to, we have to decide what else is it. And so, for example, coming back and saying, uh, yeah, let's measure the number of disciples who have said, who, who are making disciples. Like, we've got, we've got 25 people in our church that are discipling two, to, two other people who are uh, either haven't even started a faith journey or new to their faith journey. Right, and the next thing you know, now we are measuring a uh, we're measuring something that goes beyond just someone showing up at worship, right? Or we may be measuring. We may come back and say we want to measure the number of people uh, who are serving in a ministry area outside of the church, hmm. and so we want people to just kind of let us know. We're going to track how many people are serving outside the ministry. These are important input results. And I'm a big fan of input results. I love input results. Um, I can't say I get freak, freakly, freakishly crazy excited about Excel spreadsheets, but I can get pretty excited about seeing some good input results with some great graphs. They got to have pretty colors to them, Gary. I don't know about you, but they got to have good colors to them. I like more than one shape, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I need something engaging with me, right? Right. So, input results is the fir- first type of metric. The second type of metric is what we would call output results. And this is, I think this is the piece that a, a, a pastor of a church or leader of a church that, that is going through revitalization has to say that we are going to prioritize. Because here's the deal. They have probably spent years or maybe even decades of not seeing consistent spiritual transformation taking place in people's lives. And so if, if you're going to move your church to revitalization, you've got to begin to teach toward a spiritual transformation, individual transformation, in order for your church to experience revitalization. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I would go as far as to say this, personal transformation is going to have to proceed, will proceed, always proceed, church revitalization. And so, Gary, when you pastored your church and you led your church to revitalization, you began to see stories one after another of people coming to Christ. And that's what, and, 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 and seeing life change, even if they were already a Christian, but seeing a life change. And that's the critical part of this second uh, result 
that we want to see is this output. It's an outward expression of a changed life. That's why we call it an output result. And then the third one is called impact results. So it's input, output, impact. Now, impact results are a wee bit different because they speak to the positive difference. They speak to the byproduct of a church that's killing it with input results and output results. If you are reaching more people and getting them engaged, i.e. input results, if they are experiencing life change, spiritual transformation, i.e. output results, then what's going to happen is over time, you're going to see an impact as a byproduct of those first two. You're going to see a positive difference in your community. You're going to see a positive difference in marriages and families and parenting. You're going to see a positive difference in the number of people who are being reached in your community that are far from God. And so what an impact result does, it captures the broader ripple effect in the community, city, state, and world that is the the ripple effect from your input results and your output results and and the effort and the energy that you're putting into that. Hmm. So where I am on on the Vision Framing 5 question, I'm going to come back and say, you've got to nail mission. You gotta know what you're about. You gotta speak of a mission that's that's gonna move your church forward. But the second thing I'm gonna say that's just beyond mission, beyond critical, I was about to say mission critical, but that beyond vision critical is you gotta have clear outcomes that are that are pushing toward those goals and those results. Because when that happens, you're gonna be focused about them, you're gonna make decisions on them, you're gonna make tough decisions as a church that's facing it's facing some revitalization and some change that's got to happen because at the end of the day, those results of that spiritual transformation become important. And so what happens, Gary, we take a step back and we say, okay, we got to change our scorecard. We got to stop just measuring attendance, giving, maybe baptism, which by the way, baptism does speak to uh, spiritual transformation. So I, I'm, that's certainly great, but we got to just, we got to stop to just being those being the only three things right. that we measure. All right. Sorry. That was my rant, Gary, um, <laughs> on outcomes. I get, I get pretty passionate. I get pretty passionate. No, it's about good. This. It's good. And I think it's important for churches to think about their end game when it's all said and done, like where do they want to wind up and be and having that clear vision yeah. of taking that input, the output and the impact, and then having the kind of the equal sign, like this is what it's going to look like when yeah. the product's done, and a lot of churches don't think yes. that. Yeah, their end game's the weekend, which no, is the don't. wrong wrong end game. <laughs> so. That's that's exactly right. You know what? There's two things that their end game. Their end game is the weekend. And you're exactly right. That's all they're thinking about. Or, um, or they have hope that somewhere down the road they're going to start being effective, or they're going to start being, uh, they're going to see vitality, or they're going to see these things happen. And you and I both know hope is not a strategy, right? Right. And so you got to name this stuff, and you got to start working toward it, or you're not going to see it. A leader's not going to see it. That's good. So we're talking about you know the outputs, outcomes. So how many? Yeah. If yep. a church doesn't have this, so how many should they have? Yeah, that's a good question. It's not a super uh, easy question to answer because every church kind of comes from a from a different uh, different angle. But I'll tell you what I've done. The second page of the handout, I've, I've given I've given the leaders three questions to answer, three questions to answer. And so before I answer how many, let me let me kind of make sure that I I help to say, okay, pastor, think in terms of these three buckets of input, output, and impact, and and think through them, talk through them with your team, 
And so I've provided three whiteboard sheets for the pastor to, to, ask, to ask their team. So the first one says, what does a multiplying church measure? That's the first question. In other words, what, what should our church be measuring as an input result, right? So it goes back to making that list, like, okay, we're going to measure, like, the attendance, the giving. We're going to measure the number of people living sent. We're going to never measure the number of people making disciples. We're going to measure the number of church plants we have. We're going to measure the number of people who are called to the ministry. We're going to measure the number of, we're going to number the people who uh, we send out as missionaries to foreign countries or whatever. And we come back and say, hey, these are things that are important to these are input results. But the second question that I ask is, what kind of disciple does a multiplying church make? That second one that's in the handout, that hits the outcome. Mm -hmm. That hits the output results that we're talking about. And and so what happens is, Gary, uh, the, the, the challenge then is for a pastor leader to go, okay, what would be a minimum standard for that we would look into someone's life and say they are we are they are they are achieving mission they're achieving the mission they are we are seeing spiritual transformation happen and here's where it gets a little awkward because when you name these as qualitative output you have a tendency to think okay are we getting legalistic here right so if I come up if I come up well let's just say seven marks of a disciple who's uh, who what that a multiplying church makes then now I'm going to, I run the risk of being legalistic to those seven marks, right? And, and what I want to say is this. First of all, don't think legalistic. Just remember this. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit absolutely nothing. So don't think of these as legal, a legalistic list. Think of this more like the floor, not the ceiling. The floor meaning when I walk in, this is the base standard. This is the minimum uh, expectations of what it means for us to accomplish our mission at our church, we can, listen, Scripture is full of output results. Scripture is full of, of passages, red letter, all types of places in Scripture that talk about how, I mean, from the Beatitudes, I mean, we could just go on and on and on where Scripture speaks to how we should live our life, right, as a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think of Titus, the book of Titus. The book of Titus is a, is a huge book of how you should live. Yeah. Quite frankly, it has been segmented. So there's a segmentation of how you, should, how you should live as a Christ follower, as a young man, as an old man, as a young woman, as an old woman. Uh, we, can't say that, we can't say those today. We can't say old man and old woman today. But you, <laughs> you know, it, it, it literally says, as an older man, as an older woman. Uh, how we should how we should live based upon uh, the roles that we play. The entire the entire book of Titus is a book talking about the type uh, what kind of disciple should we be making. So there is precedent for a church to name a a series of characteristics, if you will, spiritual characteristics right. that result in a mark of disciple, and those would become your output results. And what we would say is. Is if you're going to go, you know, a good rule of thumb would be between about three and seven. I know it was a long answer to your question. Yeah. But about three to seven would help provide that baseline. If, if there's too many more than seven, people will struggle with retaining it. And quite frankly, seven it may even be a lot, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But they'll struggle with retaining it. They'll struggle with 
what it looks like. They'll struggle with, um, you know, personalizing it themselves, right, to kind of know how they should, you know, how they should be challenging their people to that level of leadership. That's really good. And so, all right, so seven. Yep, yep. Yeah. So. Uh, I pull it down. I mean, so so let me give you an example. I worked with a Bible church once. Yeah. And this Bible church had, they had 30 competencies of spiritual maturity. And they were broken into three categories. So it was a three by 10, right? Gotcha. Yep. Now, everybody could remember the three categories, but no one could remember the competencies under each category. Correct. Yeah. So I, I think finding the balance between that number is something that cult that your church's culture is going to dictate. But I think most churches should have probably between four to seven. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So how would a pastor craft a set of outcomes or even a, a ministry leader? Like how would they craft a set of outcomes yeah. that are going to help change what yeah. the church is measuring? Um, as a listener looks at, as pastors, leaders look at that second page, you'll see that those three worksheets will help a pastor leader work through those three different types of results. And the one that is the, the, the one that is most specific is the, um, is the second one where that's, that's the one where I just spoke about right. what so, kind of disciple does a multiplying church make. Yes. Um, and wherever you land with that, wherever you land with that kind of talk list, then I want to challenge the leaders. It's not written down in here. I want to challenge them to a couple things. Number one, obviously come up with the actual outcome itself. So how, what you would call that outcome. Uh, number one, number two, uh, to support that outcome with scripture. What does the scripture say about that? Number three, I would encourage them to say, to write what I call modeled by statements for each one of them. So if this is an outcome, how do how would I expect to see that 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 outcome modeled in someone's life, right? So I'm thinking of the Arbor Church right offhand. I was actually um, I was actually up there and with them a few weeks ago, um, actually uh, visiting with their pastor, who's now uh, bishop at Free Methodist Church. And as we were talking uh, a little bit and began to talk a little bit about what God had done from their mission to their outcome, uh, they uh, they put together what was seven marks, these seven marks, uh, and they put them in question, question marks, right? Question form. I love this, Gary, because it's so introspective. It requires somebody to look into themselves. And so I'll just kind of, I'll fly through these seven, and I'll show you, share with you one more. So I'm going to give you a seven example and a four example. And you'll understand the difference in why some are easier to retain and some of them aren't, right? So the seven all begin with, how are you? So I'm going to say, Gary, how are you sharing your story with those who need to hear? Hey, Gary, how are you investing daily to grow in knowledge of God? Hey, Gary, how are you celebrating God's goodness with your church? Like the goodness of what God's doing in your life with your church. Hey, Gary, how are you following God into greater freedom? How are you serving others in and out of the church? How are you connecting with God alone and in community, one-on-one -on -one and with others, right? And how are you giving to God and others, even if it's a bit uncomfortable? So they develop, those are output results. They develop seven questions that they would like every disciple who's trying to become rooted together in Jesus, they want those seven, they want that, that person to answer, to struggle with, right? They're, and you notice they're not yes or no questions. 
Right. They all start with, how are you? Right. So you got to give the answer. And I love that challenge. So those are the seven. Matter of fact, if you were to let me um, put them into quick words, sharing your story, investing daily, right, to grow, celebrating God's good, celebrating, following God, serving others, connecting with God and others, and giving to God, right? Mm. So if you just pulled the gerund and remembered the gerund, then you could have a better job at remembering all seven, right? Have another church that talks about living every day captivated and changed by Jesus. And they came up with four very simple or four very simple outcomes, and here they are. And, and once again, open-ended, uh, not open-ended, but questions that are thought meant to be thought-provoking. These are yet a little more yes or no. Am I following completely? Am I changing continuously? Am I living generously? Am I multiplying disciples? Four questions for a leader, for somebody who's trying to become a disciple to answer. So, Gary, you can tell, man, there's a lot to developing outcomes, but when you get it, when you get it down, it becomes transformative for your ministry. And for even you as a pastor, to know that you have some, some outcomes like this, to, to develop a preaching plan around, to, uh, uh, or to, as you do expository preaching, you want to make sure that the people that are a part of your congregation are connecting the dot between these seven marks of the cycle and the message that you're, you're preaching. Come on now. Yeah, that's good. That's going to move to revitalization. Yeah, that's good. This talk's been like really, I think, really helpful and eye-opening, especially to people who feel stuck as, you know, we're closing out this year and they're like, man, is next year even going to be different? I think this is an incredible way that they could start measuring the right things and start hitting the marks and kind of change their scorecard. Um, It's it's really good. Uh, I love love what you said just about the results, and I think that's good for our listeners to hear about the input results, output, and impact. And I think every church leader wants impact in their church. Can I make one final comment about yeah. impact? I know our time yeah. is short here. Um, this is something I believe. I believe you can aspire toward impact results, but I think that impact results are something that you recognize after you achieve it. Like they're, they're, it's a byproduct of those input and output results being effective. I think while we're pushing toward impact results, I think it's going to take us to kind of like we just pause and we look backwards and go, look. Marriages are stronger. Look, divorce is down. Look, we're, we're, we're serving the underserved in our community. Yeah. Hey, look, less childhood homeless. And, and I think that um, impact results of the three is the hardest to pursue. Not impossible, but it's harder to pursue. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, no, this has been great. Time is up, and I know we're going to keep talking about this and developing stuff, but I just want to say thank you for being on and thank you for sharing this and connecting literally the listeners to uh, taking their next steps in revitalization and bringing clarity around maybe what they're struggling with. Just to our listeners, we'll talk to you on the next goal. 